The Crossman Conversation brought to you today by Community Legal Services, Maynard Cooper, Frontier Partners, First Horizon Bank, and Florida Blue. The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. The Crossman Conversation is hosted by John Crossman. John's heart is to see our community of leaders unite around what we have in common. John will be joined by political leaders, religious leaders, as well as activists making a difference in our nation. Here is your host for the Crossman Conversation, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation. Before we get started, Mike. Hey there, John. Hey, bud. I just I just have a quick story I want to tell you. Okay, man. Is that okay? I am ready for it. All right, my man. Well, listen, you know, um, my dad, as you know, had a pretty interesting life and all yes, the kind of did. stuff he did. And one of the things that was kind of fascinating was when he was, you know, relatively young, he's about 62, he had a kidney failure. And um, I did not know that. He sure did. And so he went on dialysis. He was on dialysis nine years. Can you imagine that? No. Yeah. And uh, people, they they thought he might live four years. He lived nine. And I told people that, you know, they don't understand that. Like being on dialysis, it's like having the flu all the time. Can you mm. imagine living that way? And one of the things he did was he started a prayer ministry. And uh, if you ever see my my backpack, I have a black folder. I have his prayer list, you know, and so he would pray for people every day. So it was like a big deal. Well, um, there came a point in time and dad decided to go off dialysis. And, you know, once you make that decision, you, you're you awake for about 48 hours and then you yeah. go into coma and, and pass away. And you can imagine, you know, what, what that That's was. So like. traumatic. So traumatic. And I remember him being home and um, uh, asking him about, hey, you know, how do you, how do you feel about passing away? And he just completely calm, got to meet Jesus. You know, he just was totally, totally at peace. And, you know, during that season, and of course I was younger, I was in my early thirties and this is a lot to process. And if I had to think about what was one of the pillars that got me through just all of that, you know, in addition to my dad's faith and him was, was a uh, hospice. Oh, great organization. Great organization. Hospice was right there for me. And it was just one of those like, life-defining moments for me uh, having this interaction with hospice. And Mike, our guest today is with hospice. All right. How cool is that? That's cool. How cool is that? So we have Sarah Garcia, and she is the manager of marketing and business development at Advent Health Hospice Care. Sarah, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. We're so glad to have you. you listen, a little factoid about her, just so you know. Preacher, preacher's kid. She's a preacher's Another PK. Another PK. <laughs> we love that. From Ohio, you know, so she's got guys go. Yeah. See, so she's like, you know, my family from Ohio. So we, we have bonded in so many ways. So Sarah, I, you know, I, when I think about hospice, um, I have, uh, so many things about, it I feel really positive about, but early on I had to really understand it. And I didn't fully understand it that like, uh, it's, I used to think you go to a hospice. I don't know what the hospice is a service. So could you maybe start with like, just explain what, what is hospice? So I get a better factual, what is the organization, what it does? Sure. So hospice, you bring up a really good point. A lot of people do think it's a place, but it's actually a service that goes to wherever the patient's living. So if they are living in their own home or they're in a assisted living, nursing home, hospice can go there and provide the care. And it consists of this entire dis- interdisciplinary team that the patient and the family is at the center of everything that we do. And you've got a nurse, you've got a home health aide, a chaplain, social worker, physician, volunteers. You have this whole team of people that is caring not only for the patient, but for the family. And for me, I'm just, I'm so passionate about 
this type of service that it exists. And yet so many people don't still don't know about it and don't know that there's help that's available during one of the most difficult times in life. Well, it's one of those things that there's a lot of aspects of it that are, that are awkward, right? Like talking about end of life in general can be scary and awkward. And then there's like sub aspects and, and I'll give you an example of a little a sub aspect and you can send me feedback. So um, my dad was one of those people that like never complained about his health and uh, got probably a little bit of trouble sometimes. And so we knew his back was bothering him. So I grabbed the uh, hospice worker and I said, uh, hey, can you help me uh, and, and with the nurse? Like, uh, can we go back there and talk to my dad about his back? And so the nurse is there and then and she says something like, Reverend Crossman, your back's bothering. He's like, oh, yeah, it's bothering. She's like, we're going to give you some medicine and we're going to give you some morphine. And my dad got really upset. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not taking the morphine. And so finally the nurse looked at my dad and she said, Reverend Crossman, are you trying to say you're worried you're going to get addicted to it? He goes, yeah, I don't want to become an addict. <laughs> <laughs> and that nurse very lovingly looked at my dad and said, Reverend Crossman, that's ever, that's all okay. It's all okay. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of those moments where, you know, I probably had a mental hang up with that. He certainly did that this medicine, it, it's, it's a bad thing. And he, he had to learn, I had to learn at the end of life, this is a, it's a good thing, right? So, um, hospice doesn't do anything that prolongs life. So they're not going to give something that's like a treatment of cancer, but they do provide meds with the medical team. I don't know exactly how that works. That's comforting. Is, did I get that right? Yes. Yes. So the goal of hospice really is comfort care. And actually studies have shown that people actually live longer when they're on hospice Ooh. than without. It it may not make sense initially, but that's what the studies show. But the goal of hospice really is to alleviate pain, to walk with the patient and the family through the disease process. A lot of people do have, like you said, a fear of death or they're afraid to talk about things surrounding that a terminal diagnosis. But um, really studies have shown people live longer. And when you're addressing all the different symptoms that come along with end of life, such as the pain, the emotional distress, sometimes the spiritual aspects, we're helping that patient have a better quality of life. So a lot of times they do end up living longer because we are alleviating a lot of the different pain and emotional distress. So what I hear you say when I think about that is like the question maybe people need to think about when they have a loved one that's very ill, it's what's the most loving thing to do, right? And so I think I would say, and I, I know Mike has a similar life worldview, it's like it's a very loving thing to bring in hospice. I think that's coming out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, maybe it's it's scary because it's like, well, if I'm bringing hospice, I'm admitting they're going to pass soon. Mm-hmm. And is that like a normal traumatic thing some people have to get over? You know, I think the reality is we're all going to pass away at some point. And it is scary when the doctor gives that diagnosis that, listen, we're no longer talking about a condition that you've had to take a medicine for or get certain treatment to keep symptoms at bay. Now we are really looking at a more advanced last stage of the disease process. And Mm -hmm. that last stage could be weeks. It could be months. We actually have people who, what we call graduate off of hospice, they actually improve and they no longer meet the Medicare criteria for staying on hospice and we have to discharge them. It happens. Sure. 
not a lot, but it does happen. So I think, I think there is a lot that goes on emotionally, like you said, with kind of coming to that realization that we are looking at, um, more like months versus years left. Right. But also walking alongside that family and that patient, being able to help them make the most of whatever time they have left. Um, you know, the number one thing that we hear from families after their loved one passes away is, I wish I'd known about your services sooner. Why do they say that? Why, why is that? I think it's because they had no idea all that hospice provides. I think a lot of people still have a lot of misconceptions about hospice. I had uh, a friend of mine, personal story, but early on in my hospice career, I called on a nursing home and part of my job was to go and, and educate the staff about when to start referring to hospice. And I wasn't getting a lot of um, referrals at this particular place and I was trying to find out why. I ended up having a conversation with somebody who worked there and we ended up touring an inpatient unit. Now we talked earlier about hospice being a service going wherever the patient is, but we also have hospices also have inpatient units that can be utilized when a patient is having intense symptoms that just can't be managed at home and they need more interventions. So we set up a time for her to come and tour this unit and she immediately went into the corner and said, oh my gosh, this is not what I imagined. Hmm. And I said, what did you imagine? What did you think? In her view, now she had been a pharmaceutical rep and now was working in a nursing home. Her view of hospice, she thought she equated it to when her pet would get sick and she had to take the pet to the vet and have her pet put down. She thought it was that for humans. Mm. It is not euthanasia. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it it goes to show that there's so many myths about hospice. And so people don't, they don't know what they're saying no to. And when she came to see this unit, this hospice inpatient unit, and she saw the care that the patients were getting, um, that there were nurses and physicians and the families were there, patients were there to get their symptoms managed and then they would go home or sometimes pass away at the unit. We were helping make them comfortable at the very end of life. But I think people have these, they believe these myths about hospice. And so they put off having a conversation or maybe they're in denial and they put it off. But once they have hospice come in and the entire team is there to relieve this relieve not only what the patient's going to, but provide support to the family. It's, it's such an incredible service. And not only does hospice provide all of those different staff members, but they also provide things like um, metal, medical equipment that the patient needs. So if they need a hospital bed, a bedside commode, or, or different supplies to help make that patient more comfortable, um, medications related to that terminal diagnosis, hospice covers all of that. So Sometimes people are paying for those things out of pocket or they have co-pays. And once they, the Medicare hospice benefit takes over, they don't, have, they don't have that bill anymore. So it can be a financial, emotional, spiritual. Um, it can be all kinds of relief and support for the family and patient. That is, that is really helpful. What I hear you saying is, is that what hospice does 
it's comfort. It's comfort of the patient and having them having a better final time. Mm -hmm. And also it's relief of all kinds of things emotionally, financially for the family caring. It's really a gift to everybody. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with uh, Sarah Garcia talking about hospice care. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. I'd like to thank Maynard Cooper and Gale PC for being a sponsor of our program. Maynard is a full-service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally to serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. Community Legal Services is a civil legal aid organization providing no-cost legal help to the underserved. They call it Legal Aid for All. Their attorneys assist with legal issues related to family law, housing, domestic violence, veterans' benefits, and much more. Community Legal Services is a community-supported program. To learn more and help support the mission, visit clsmf.org. That's clsmf.org. Community Legal Services. Legal Aid for All. Did you know you may still qualify for 2023 health coverage? Life can happen unexpectedly, so don't let life changes stop you from getting the health coverage you deserve. Call an exclusive Florida Boot agent to see if you qualify for a special enrollment period. 1-877-352-5830. That's 1-877-352-5830. Policies have limitations and exclusions. Are you willing to serve communities in crisis around the world? To people who are impoverished, oppressed, and persecuted? Frontier Partners International offers mission opportunities in areas least served to meet the needs of the helpless, the hapless, and hopeless. To learn how you can be a partner of this frontline ministry with your time, talent, or treasure, visit frontier-partners.org. That's frontier-partners.org. Once again, here is John Crossman. We are back. This is John Crossman, the Crossman Conversation with Sarah Garcia, Buckeye, hospice advocate, super cool lady doing great stuff. So happy to have you on the show. And Sarah, I want to tell you this story. So um, my dad was like a big German dude, big, big German hands. And I just very specifically remember his hands. And we uh, went uh, to Walgreens or something right before he passed. We had to pick up something. And as I was walking out, I saw this display of Yardley products. And before my dad was a pastor, he sold Yardley. And there was Yardley lotion there. And he would always talk about Yardley all the time. It was really annoying as a kid, you know. And then um, uh, I never bought one. So I bought, oh, I'm going to buy Yardley products. So I brought it back to the the house and it was hand lotion. So I remember putting it on my dad's hands just because I wanted to remember his hands. And so then dad passed away. We're cleaning the room out and I picked up that bottle the name of that bottle was Heavenly Bodies by Yard. Can you believe that? Oh, Is that the craziest thing? And so I, I, I still have that. But that was just one of those 
uh, sweet moments of being with my dad uh, while he was in our hospice care. And I'm so grateful because I feel like I had more time with him, more mm-hmm. time with him, and more quality time with my dad at his end of life because of hospice care. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, that's a real thing that happens, right? Absolutely. And and the other thing was, is that I remember one point, like, um, he needed to get um, uh, bathed, right? And then this angel of a hospital, hospice worker came in and, and bathed him. And I was able to step in another room and not have to deal with this. And this angel of a human being who did that, and that needed to get done. And I think that's what you were trying to say earlier, is there's things like that, that you know, we have our parents and we always see them as strong and powerful. And there's a dignity component that, you know, we would do it if we had to do sure. it. Of course we would. But if there's a way to have someone else do that so that you can keep that in that space. Am I right on that? Definitely. And, you know, speaking from personal experience, my my family utilized hospice for my grandmother and she was adamant that she did not want to go to any facility. She was very fiercely independent and she ended up, um, her, her air conditioner went bad and that was the perfect moment where my parents brought her to their home temporarily, which ended up being uh, for a few months while she sure. was on hospice. Sure. But, you know, I, I had been telling my parents at, at this point, I'd been working for a hospice organization for a couple of years and my grandmother still lived up in Columbus, biggest Buckeye fan I know. <laughs> um, but every time I would go back to visit, I would see a little bit more of a decline in her. She was still able to do much for herself, but I, I could see that every six, eight months that I would go up and visit, I could see more of a decline. And she'd had another hospitalization you know, and another thing happened. And I said to my parents, you know, I think, well, you know, why don't you reach out to hospice? You know, there's many organizations up there, interview them, find out which one you like. You, you may not need it today, but you might need it in a couple of months. And it's better to be prepared and know who you're, who you like. That way, when you have to make a decision, it's, you're not making it in a rush. Um, few months went by. They didn't, they didn't take my advice at the first time. Um, they happened to be in Italy on a mission trip and my grandmother went to, to the hospital and they called and said, call Sarah. I go, what am I going to do? I'm in Florida. Anyhow, we got hospice, uh, out to enter, to do an assessment and she ended up coming on hospice and I believe she was on the services for seven or eight months. And after she passed, my dad called me and said, oh, my goodness, I had no idea hospice could provide all that they did. There's no way we would have been able to care for her at home the way we did without hospice. My parents are not clinical by any means. So having a nurse come out and talk about the disease progression, what to expect because every day could look different mm-hmm. and it can be startling to wake up and think, oh my goodness, this new symptom started. What's this? I don't know what's happening and, and go into a panic. But to have a nurse coach you through what's happening, that this is normal, this is part of the disease progression, perhaps adjust the medications to make her more comfortable. And like you said, having the home health aide come in and provide the baths, that's something that's that's hard work. That's real work. And being able to have that and then the the spiritual support, all of those things, it just made such a huge difference. And uh, now my dad tells everybody he knows, 
check into hospice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can remember a friend of mine uh, was under hospice care and he called me, we were just talking about football and I was asking him how he was doing. And he goes, well, I'm good. You know, it was really like the final stages. And he said, uh, I have some constipation. And I remember then researching and looking that up and like, that's part of an active phase of dying. Right. So that's an example of like, somebody might be like, I'm trying to care for this person. There's this health issue. And it's like, oh no, no, that's, that's normal. That's part of this process. And that's what you're talking about. Now I have to mention this cause you need to know this. Okay. Mike and I are like super tough guys. Okay. Like Mike and I are guys that we want to die with our boots on, right? Am I, I, that would be true, John. We are tough, tough dudes. <laughs> and so, and I just make sure you, when people understand this, like Mike and I, you know, respectively can die in our own homes and hospice comes to us. Yes. Right. So if somebody's like, well, I don't want to go to no nursing home. I don't want to go to like whatever. That's not a thing. Hospice comes to you. Right. Absolutely. And, then, and you maintain control. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, the other thing I want to mention is I had a friend, uh, a guy I used to work with named Dale, and I, to be honest with you, I wasn't really that close to Dale, but uh, he was with hospice and somebody asked me to go see him. And I kind of realized like they needed me to go see him, you know, not whatever. And boy, I remember when he walked in, I've never seen a person look worse. It was just a really bad situation. And I remember his wife, who I barely knew, she kind of collapsed into my arms and, and I said, how are you? And she goes, well... I'm just waiting for his liver to start back up, you know, like doesn't work that way. Right. And so she left and and I sat with him and, and he was really, really far gone. But as I was sitting there, his daughter came in who was probably in her twenties and she came in and I could feel him go like he, he, he could tell it was her. And mm-hmm. so she and I just talked and the whole time we were talking, she was like rubbing his arm and rubbing his leg. And it just was such a beautiful thing. And even as hard as it was, like when I went to the funeral, I remember in seeing her there, it was so, so helpful, her healing process. Mm-hmm. So I know all this is complicated. I, I do want to also say this, this is just my whole thing. My personal thing is like, I'm a big on being, being an advocate for yourself and for your family. Like, and if you have a tragedy happen where someone in your family gets murdered, like you need to jump on that and be a part of helping law enforcement. Don't just mm-hmm. let, let that happen, like jump on it. And I feel the same way whether it comes to diet, nutrition, exercise, like you just need to jump on it. And it's the same thing for out of life issues. Like it's better. Like if you're like, well, I don't have any of my family that's at the end of life. Well, you will. And so it's better to understand it now. Sure. Right. And then it's also better to like bring it up, you know, to your doctor, right? Mm -hmm. That's a, that can be a joint conversation. And, you know, I remember, gosh, I remember with uh, one of my family members who was, who was elderly and then the doctor was very young. And I kind of felt like the doctor was having a hard time saying, this is it. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, and I was more there than he was. And so it's like, hey, you know, why don't we talk to hospice, right? So uh, be a self-advocate is what I'm trying to say. And be a self-educator because this is a beautiful gift that you can do for your family members who, who, who are suffering. Did Absolutely. I get it right, Sarah? Absolutely. And hospice is for people of all ages, but a lot of people who utilize hospice have Medicare. Mm. And that Medicare hospice, it's, it's a hospice benefit that you, it's, it's, you're entitled to it. So use it. You don't need to have a doctor write an order for hospice. You don't need your, your PCP to write that order. It's a benefit that you're entitled to. So when you talk about being your own advocate, you can pick up the phone, call a hospice organization and ask for an evaluation, have a nurse come out. They can make an assessment, confer with the hospice physician, and see if you indeed meet criteria or not. 
And um, there, there are some situations, you know, for instance, if you're in a hospital or a nursing home, you do have to have an order because sure, of how it's sure. how it is. But if you're in your own home, you absolutely have the right to pick up the phone and call. Of course, we want to work with your physician, get records, things like that. So it's a smooth transition. But if you are finding that um, you're encountering roadblocks or maybe you just haven't seen your physician in years and don't really feel like you have a PCP, you can still call. Gotcha. Well, Sarah, it's been so delightful to have you. And uh, hospice is a blessing. That's what I would, my personal experience. And uh, we just encourage people to do your research, be aware, and they can reach out to you and other people at hospice and ask questions, right? That's totally Absolutely. okay. Mm-hmm. So somebody just wants to email questions and say, are you going to put down grandpa like my dog? You'll be like, no, no, that's <laughs> not what we do. She said that, Joey, earlier. You told us, right? Um, well, Sarah, I know that um, uh, Sarah means princess, and you have been a blessing of a princess on the show today. So thank you for being a part of this and helping us out. And thank you for all you do and all that Avon Health does. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. That's awesome. All right. So that's been Sarah Garcia, who is a manager of marketing and business development at Avon Health Hospice Care. And she's been her guest today on the Crossman Conversation. My name is John Crossman. And as always, support your local HBCU. This has been Crossman Conversation, produced by a Crossman Career Builders Mark Radio Production. 